0: This is nuanced. I don't want parents to feel ashamed or embarrassed. I want them to feel empowered to change the narrative because we all have become both desensitized to and also hypersensitized to guns in different ways in today's world. Hi, I'm Dr. Sarah Bren, a clinical psychologist and mom of two. In this podcast, I've taken all of my clinical experience current research on brain science and child psychology and the insights I've gained on my own parenting journey and distilled everything down into easy to understand and actionable parenting insights so you can tune out the noise and tune into your own authentic parenting voice with confidence and calm. This is Securely Attached. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is a slightly different kind of episode than I've done before. Um, I wanted to address something that's happening topically in the news that feels really urgent, that feels really pressing. I also want to give you guys a quick heads up. If you're listening to this episode in the car with your kiddos, we're going to be talking about some heavy stuff today. So this would be probably a good time to hit pause and maybe revisit this episode when you've got some alone time. Um... But this is this is a hard episode for me to record, truthfully. I have a lot of feelings about it. This hits home for me very personally, as I imagine it does for any parent. Um, but we're going to be talking about guns today. We're going to be talking about a lot of different ways to think about guns and a lot of different parts of how guns are playing out in our world right now. This was intended to be a completely different episode, actually, and I'm going to get into why. Um, but... A lot of things happened in quick succession. And so I'm going to try to address it all right now. But it started out that I was going to address a post that I posted. A few weeks ago, I was at the park with my sister and there were kids playing with really realistic looking toy guns and like semi-automatic weapon style guns. And I want to give a little context. So this was two days after the Buffalo supermarket shooting. So my sister took a picture. I posted it on social media with the hopes of starting kind of a bigger discussion around toy guns. And there was a lot of response to this. I had parents asking me to please talk more about this, to please have a deeper conversation about this. I had parents kind of reaching out, feeling a little concerned or a little worried that they had toy guns that their children played with and were worried that they were doing something wrong. And I really thought this is a podcast episode. This needs to go deeper. I can't get into the nuance of all of this stuff on a tiny little Instagram post. And it is nuanced, it is complicated. So I'd planned to do this episode to explain that nuance. But then the Robb Elementary School shooting happened in Uvalde, Texas. And now the conversation is really not simply about toy guns at parks, it is about the fact that we are all dealing with a collective trauma and we're hurting, and we're scared, and we're angry. And so I really wanted to try to find a way to blend these two related but different issues. And I think it starts with thinking about some fundamental pieces of information that we as parents need to know when we are raising a child in a world that is filled with guns, toy guns, and real guns. Here's the thing. In toys, in movies, in video games, there's always been, for a very long time, exposure to guns for children. But this was fantasy, this was pretend. We are entering into a pretty solid period of time now where kids are exposed to real guns in a very different context. They are in active shooter drills at school. They are exposed to news stories of children being shot and killed. They are seeing this on their social media feeds, especially for the older kids. Our kids are growing up in a different world than we did. And so I think it's important to give parents of today's children information so that they can be educated consumers as we are parenting this new generation of kids. So let's start by discussing child development and aggression, because I think this is a really important piece to this whole conversation about toy guns. And then I wanna talk a little bit about what as parents we can do when the, you know, responding to not just aggression in play, but the use of actual play guns, toy plastic guns in play that we're purchasing for them. And then I wanna switch the conversation a little bit to real guns because it's all kind of connected. So what is developmentally normal in play? What is, when we see aggression in children's play, how do we make sense of that? Children do express aggression in play. That is normal. That is developmentally appropriate. And frankly, it's not something that we want to shut down. Children also turn things into guns. They will turn a stick into a gun. They will turn a pencil into a gun. They will turn all kinds of objects into guns. Again, I actually don't think that this is necessarily a bad or dangerous thing. I think that children are very appropriately acting out aggressive wishes and fantasies in their play. They're also acting out things that they see in the real world in their play, trying to make sense of it. And they're also trying to translate internal experiences into action, right? When a little boy wants to shoot at things. He's experimenting with this desire to have power. This desire to have this like energy in his body translate into something that causes action. That's actually a schema that is an important schema for children to play around with. And it's developmentally appropriate and very typical. There's a reason why little kids turn everything into guns, and it's not just because they see guns everywhere in the world. Um so when we see that though as parents we can get freaked out. We can have really strong reactions to that. And I understand that. I think that that's also an appropriate response in us we are scared of guns. It's scary. We are we have learned in our exposure in the world today that guns are really scary and they're really dangerous and we see our child playing with guns we can have a really big reaction to that. Let me caution you against having a really big reaction. If your child turns something into a gun, because all of a sudden you are now taking whatever it was that they were playing around with and making it not about that, but about this dynamic between you and your child. Ooh, mom had a really big response to that. That really shook her up. Now I'm intrigued. What is going to make her have that response again? this gun thing seems to be really sensitive to her. you know. So now all of a sudden guns are intriguing and more, more um, enticing, not because of the gun, but because of our reaction to it. So we want to be a bit neutral. We want to be a bit nonchalant. The other reason why I don't want us having really big reactions and shutting down aggressive play in our kids, whether it's guns or other types of play aggression, like I want to smash all my toy trucks together, or I want to bash this baby doll into the floor. The thing is, our kids are actually communicating something to us when they do this. And if we shut it down, we're we're closing the door to a potential well of information into their inner world. When we see aggressive play in our children, we can use play therapy to kind of inform our reactions or, or lessons we learn from play therapy to inform our reactions. Now, I know you guys have not been likely trained in play therapy. I know a lot of therapists listen to this podcast, so you might know what I'm talking about. But if you're a parent, you're like, I don't know how to do play therapy. Okay, so one of the things that we do in play therapy is when we see something, we get curious. We try to open up space for it, even if it's not like a socially acceptable behavior, right? We are asking open-ended questions. We are trying to stay with the thread To see where the child takes it, to go deeper with them. So, when you're like, let's say your child smashes their toy cars together, you might say something like, Oh, you smashed your toy cars together. So, you're just naming what you're observing. You're not saying, Oh, that we don't do that. That's bad or that's dangerous. We don't, it's not good to, you know, cars are for driving, right? We don't want to close off the open-endedness of their play, and we don't want to close off the possibility of where this child can now take this. So I might say something like, hmm, you smashed your toy cars together. I wonder what will happen. And pause and let them ignore you and keep playing and show you. Or maybe they'll have a response for you. And the goal is to get more information and lead to a narrative of how they might be feeling. And sometimes they're not them. Sometimes they're the car. Sometimes they're the driver of the car. Sometimes they're the policeman who comes and rescues everyone after the cars are smashed. Like kids project parts of themselves onto all the players of the play. It's like a giant Rorschach test, right? They're just telling you all the different things and they are acting it out. Um. So we want to keep our reactions casual and nonchalant. We can set limits around aggressive play, right? Uh, in a play therapy space, it's very contained. It's very safe. There aren't any other kids around. No one's hurting anybody. Um, if you have a child who's playing at the playground and they're turning a stick into a gun, you can say, oh, I don't want you pointing that at any other people. If you want to shoot that stick like a gun, you can point it at the rocks, you can point it at the ground, you can point it at the trees, but not at any people, right? You could set a limit. It's also healthy to remember that kids are, they have this pent-up aggression in them. It is far safer for it to come out in the form of play, where they're processing their aggression, experimenting with their aggression, exploring their aggression, rather than physically acting out that aggression in real life, right? I would much rather have my child smash cars together than hit another kid because they are experimenting with aggression. Now. I want to sort of make another point here. A child turning a stick into a gun and a parent buying them a realistic looking AR-15 are two pretty different things. Now, I know that parents buy toy guns for their kids. You know, it's... They're sold all over Target, right? This is not like you have to go to like some back alley to get this. This is a, a very normal thing. I grew up, we had the little silver cowboy guns that like you had in the holster, right? Guns are part of children's play. They have been in our culture and our society. But then we have to ask ourselves the question of why. Why are their guns so ubiquitously interwoven into our culture and our society that parents are buying these for kids to play with. We need to think about how playing with realistic looking guns can desensitize our children to the severity of this object. Now, if you do buy your children toy guns, I'm not saying you can't do that. I'm saying, think about it, be intentional about it. Think about how can I use this as an opportunity to have a conversation with my child about the difference between a play gun and a real gun. I might even ask my child, what is the difference between a toy gun and a real gun? What do you think it feels like for other kids to see these guns when you're playing? What happens if they don't know it's fake? So we're trying to help them build reflective functioning. Think about other people's perceptions. Think about the meaning of these objects from a greater lens. We can help them to understand the difference between play and reality. We can help them have social skills to ask permission to play this game with someone else before pointing a gun at them. Making sure they're comfortable, right? We're teaching them ways to have pro-social skills. So I'm not saying you can never buy your child toy guns, just use it as an opportunity to open up a conversation. And perhaps use it as an opportunity to double check and make sure you're not just buying it because it was something you saw while you were walking down the aisle at Target and your child said, Oh, I want that. And you said, all right, no problem. And you threw it in the cart without really thinking too much about it. Maybe pause. And think a little bit more about the bigger picture. Do I want my child to be sort of desensitized to this object? Do I want this to be something that lives in our playroom, that can be seen all the time and played with at all times? Do I want something that is a little bit more open-ended? If my child wants to use a block like a gun, great. I'm not going to shut that down. But they could use that block as a phone. They can use that block as a car. They can use that block as a sword. They can use anything. When you have a gun sitting in the toy chest, it's a gun? It's always going to be a gun. So we don't have to give them those toys for them to have opportunities to play out this stuff. We can let them be creative and come up with their own ways of playing. And, And I think that there's just a little bit more options there for our kids. I also want us to think about not just our child's desensitization to guns, but also the social sort of component, right? If my child is playing with a gun at a public park, am I thinking about how that's going to be received by the people around my child? Are they, is my kid going to be stared at by other parents? Are they going to be pointed at? Are they going to see people whispering and in and, and paying very close attention to them? Are parents moving their kids away from them? How might that feel for my child? My child might not be able to understand the complexities of that situation, of that dynamic, right? They might just feel ashamed or, or, or confused and we... We can protect our child from that situation by maybe not having them bring a very societally, emotionally charged object, play object to public spaces. What if you don't use guns in your in your child's play and your child's at the park and you sees a child who does have a toy gun and is frightened? What can we do to support them? Right? We don't want to shame that other child. They're a kid playing. They don't really understand what they're doing, right? That's really still a conversation about parents' choice, about what they're bringing into their child's play. That's a, that's a That filter starts at the parents, not the kid. So how can we help our child, one, feel safe, one, understand again, like how they're feeling? You can ask them, how did it make you feel when you saw that kid with a gun at the park? We don't want to label things as the good or bad, or make someone the villain and someone the victim, but we can also use this opportunity to remind our child to review our own family values and to recognize that different families have different values. And we don't want to shame the other kid for playing with a gun as the parent, but we can also help our child understand that, you know, in our family, we choose not to play with guns. And we also can help our child build social skills around learning how they can communicate their boundaries. Can you say, I don't want to play that game? Or can you put that toy away while we're playing together? I don't like it. So at the end of the day, this is nuanced. I don't want parents to feel ashamed or embarrassed. I want them to feel empowered to change the narrative because we all have become both desensitized to and also hypersensitized to guns in different ways in today's world. And so I think there are ways that we can reduce our exposure to them and also ways that we need to get comfortable having conversations when we can't reduce our exposure to them. But here's the big pivot, right? This is a much larger issue than just parents and kids and toys. The gun industry is a multi-billion dollar industry, and with that money and power comes a much more complicated system. We do need to talk about the fact that toy companies are creating toy guns, and that they are marketing and advertising them to young children. There's a problem there. That is a big problem. But also the toy companies are kind of the tip of the iceberg here. What's even larger and far more insidious below that surface are the actual real gun companies who are very motivated to glorify guns and to create a culture around guns as being idealized and highly desirable and frankly, just cool. And this is where the lines start to get blurred. We're really not talking just about toys anymore, but the priming of children to be pawns in a bigger orchestrated manipulation around the ideology of guns in our society that is being very carefully manufactured by the gun industry. The gun industry is really motivated to create a loyal, almost cult-like customer base. They want it to be embedded in every part of our identity as a society. They want fathers to want to buy a gun for their son. They want little boys to look at a gun and wish they had one for themselves. And I'm talking a lot about boys and fathers here because that is where the marketing is highly targeted to. These are vulnerable populations in that they are getting blasted with media attention and targeted advertising all the time. It's not happening to girls and women as much because that's just not how all these algorithms work. But at the end of the day, this is not about boys and dads or moms and daughters. It's about our society as a whole. And we need to look where this marketing has its roots. And we need to be educated consumers of what it is trying to sell us because it is a very toxic thing. And so... Let's talk a little bit about the messaging and where they're coming from and the marketing. I read a New York Times article recently that was talking all about different gun companies that were targeting very young kids with advertising and idealizing young children's use of weapons, right? The Daniel Defense, which is a gun company, they had an ad that shows really young kids using guns with their families. This is an intentional strategy to increase idealization and then as a result, sales. Of guns. There was another ad they talked about that showed like Santa Claus in a military helmet smoking a cigar and holding a rifle. And then there's all the rhetoric that comes out whenever there's a shooting. And we know that after shootings, mass shootings, gun sales skyrocket. And it is because gun companies are pushing a narrative that politicians are going to try to take back all the guns. So hurry up and get them while you can, and it creates this immense urgency to buy. This is so manipulative and it is completely. Tra- I mean, it's really obvious that this is so self serving and it is completely about selling and making money and manipulating our culture and our society to do so. So let's talk a little bit about the politicians involved in this too, because they are not without some bag holding at the end of the day. There is a lot of money going around. The NRA. Lobbyists and other gun groups put money into politicians' hands to make sure that their agenda is supported. This is so much bigger than your decision of whether or not to buy a toy gun for your kid in the aisle at the toy store. It is about being an educated consumer and understand just how manipulated we are being and by whom so that we can really actually make informed decisions and make choices that are actually aligned with our values and not because we have been sort of desensitized to the marketing of this so what can we do how can we become educated consumers how can we understand how can we use our voice i had a parent reach out to me after i posted some things about gun reform and she said and it was such a a moving question. And she she said, it's so overwhelming. How can we change the minds of the people who are so steadfastly entrenched in guns? And I thought about it for a minute and I was like, you know what? That's not the task, fortunately, because if it was, it would be impossible. The reality is, is the people who are deeply entrenched in gun rights are a minority of our country. The majority of people, even even NRA members, the majority of people in our country want gun reform. They want there to be background checks. They want there to be ways in which you cannot just go in and buy a gun without any checks and balances. That's not safe. And most people don't want that to happen. But the problem is the minority of people who have a lot of money invested in keeping guns manufactured and purchased and out and about in our society are the ones that are, have the biggest, loudest voice. So what do we do? We don't need to convince all the people who are really into guns that we don't need to have gun reform. What we need to do is convince the majority of our country to get loud, to put pressure on the politicians that represent them. Call your representatives. And I'm going to give you a very specific action item here that I have done and I think is very easy to do. If, and I'll put all of this in the show notes, but go to house.gov. And if you go there, you will see in the upper right-hand corner, it says, put your zip code in to find your representative. Just put your zip code in and it will tell you who your representatives are. Go click on the name and it will take you to their website. It will take you to their, look at their contact page and there will be phone numbers. Save the phone numbers for the DC office and for your local office. If they just have one, then just save the one. And call that number. Call it regularly. I will put in the show notes a script that I found online that is very helpful so that you can just have a succinct script that you can literally plug and play and call. But the thing is, there's two things. One, we need to call. And the other thing is, a lot of people are wondering, like, if I have a representative who's already for gun reform and is aligned with my values, why bother calling? The reality is, if you have a representative who's aligned, call anyway. You are not asking them to support. You are asking them to make laws. Those are not being done right now. So we need them to take action. They need to know that their constituents, they're voting majority who puts them and keeps them in office are in support of them actively pushing new legislation to create safer gun laws now if your politicians don't agree with this call every day call even more but don't think that just because your political representatives are aligned with your values that you don't need to call because we need them to take action i live in new york my representative is Jamal Bowman. He is aligned with gun reform. And I'm still calling him to let him know, awesome, keep it up. And also, these are the laws that we think should be in place. Another great resource with scripts and other suggestions for actionable policy changes is everytown.org. So I'll put house.gov and I'll put everytown.org in the show notes I'll put a script in the show notes. But this is something that is accessible. It is free. It is doable. And if you want to get more people, don't worry about convincing people who are unconvincible to shift their views. Worry on helping people understand that they have really simple ways they can make their voices have impact. Because there's a lot more voices that agree on this subject. Now, I want to bring this all back to this idea of like, Where does the psychology of all this fit in? Where does the mental health component fit in? When really scary, horrible things happen, we often feel, very understandably, helpless, which can lead to a feeling of hopelessness or even depression, certainly anxiety. But the thing is, we need to address that helpless feeling. And one of the ways that we can balance out that feeling of helplessness is through action. This idea of like hopelessness and helplessness and paralysis has come up so much in my sessions with patients over the last couple of weeks and not just for themselves, but for their children. And so one of the things that I think that we've been talking about in our sessions is, you know, how do we turn this feeling of helplessness into action? Yes, of course, I just gave you a huge action item that you can go and do. And that's something that you can, you know, take action on and you can make it as big or as small as you possibly want to. But it doesn't have to be something even that big. Action can just mean taking a walk. Action can mean having a conversation with our kids about their feelings, a talk at the dinner table about our family values. That's action. That's going to counterbalance that feeling of helplessness that comes with these traumatic events. Ways that we can offer action items to our children is, particularly with older kids, involve them in some form of action or activism if they want to, invite them to, follow their lead. Maybe the family can call the state senator together. Maybe an older kid wants to write a letter to their representative. They don't have to. It's just something that you can offer. With younger kids, let them be kids. Let the action be for you, and unless your child is seeking out something to help them feel this way, or they're coming to you in distress, and you are understanding like, oof, my kid needs something to give them an anchor, something to give them a sense of agency and control in this feeling of of out-of-controlness. These are really helpful strategies if that's happening. If it's not, you don't need to introduce it to them, right? You can process this on your own and keep it personal for you. One of the things that we can also do as parents, tying it back to the whole original idea for this podcast episode when it comes to toys, is do an inventory of your child's toys. Maybe we swap out the squirt gun for water balloons or one of those water pumps that squirts the water out. So it's, you know, you're still getting that fun action and it's not a gun. You know, we can... We can start to be intentional about the toys that we're bringing in. We can start to be intentional about the toys we already have. And that is one thing that you can do today. In closing, I just want to emphasize this one piece. I care so deeply about the mental health and wellness of the parents and the families that I work with and of our society at large. But guns are not a mental health crisis. They are a gun crisis. We need, as a society, to talk about gun safety. We need to use our voices. We want to be educated consumers of the media and marketing that we are listening to, because that's going to inform the narrative that we're promoting when we purchase these materials, whether it's on purpose or completely inadvertently. So there is no right or wrong here. When it comes to toys, I'm not telling you what toys to have or not have. There isn't really a right or a wrong. And I don't want this to be a place of judgment of parents for the kinds of toys they buy their kids. If you want to buy those kinds of toys, go ahead, just use it as an opportunity to be intentional, but also make sure you have all the information so that you actually can make an intentional and conscious decision. A lot of times, We weren't doing that. We just bought it because we thought, why not? And as soon as you actually think why not, a lot of valid reasons come to play. This is clearly one small piece of a much larger discussion. This is full of nuance and it is heavy and it holds a tremendous amount of emotions. If you have questions about this, DM me. I want to hear what you think about this idea i want to hear if you are concerned about certain toys you have i might not have all the answers i'm telling you straightforwardly i don't know all the answers but i want to talk about it i want to learn i want to be able to understand what kind of the what's the feeling what's the temperature of all the parents out there around these toys this has been a tough couple of weeks if you need additional support reach out to a therapist If you're in New York State, you can reach out to me and I can help you get set up with a clinician either through my group practice, Upshur Brand Psychology Group, or try to help you find referrals in your area. And if you are not in New York, try to find a local resource in your area where there are listings for mental health providers. (sighs) Let's keep this conversation going and don't be a stranger.